0: Is everybody ready? Let's get rolling.
1: This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in The Zone Sports Network.
2: Welcome back. Big Show just past the 4 o'clock hour on a Monday. Craig Bullerjack filling in for Jake Scott. He's out and about. Maybe cruising. I'm not sure, Gordon. Gordon's uh, hanging out at the Casa Del Monson and uh, the big show. uh, Rolling into hour number three. Um, We're going to talk to Chris Mannix here in just a moment from the Daily Assist and get his thoughts about the bubble as it continues. You know what, Gordon? i got to admit, I I thought the bubble would break, but so far, so good. Right now, let's talk to Chris Mannix.
1: It's time for your NBA fix. This is the big show daily assist featuring all the latest news and insight on the association. Now joining the big show senior NBA writer for sports illustrated Chris Mannix on 975 1280, the zone and the zone sports network.
2: Hey, Chris Mannix, Craig Bowler, Jack. I'm uh, sitting in Jake's chair today. Great to talk with you. You know, Gordon Monson. Well, and, uh, here we are man uh four teams remain in the bubble and before we break it down, I guess a month or two ago I kept kind of saying I'm just not sure the bubble is gonna is gonna is gonna last but man NBA's proved me wrong I gotta tip my hat to Adam silver and and his staff and everyone uh, this thing has been incredible and I'm so glad we're playing basketball
3: yeah I had my early doubts as well um, specifically when it came to You know, the fact that there were going to be a number of people in and out of the bubble that weren't tested as regularly as those of us that were inside uh, were tested. Uh, I thought that, you know, posed some potential problems with people going out, being exposed, coming back in. Uh, but, But being there for as long as I was there, I mean, the people that were coming into the bubble from the outside were basically double equipped with Personal protective gear. They wore masks. Some, many of them were face guards uh, as an extra layer of protection. And look, I, I think the bubble is, you know, is kind of a uh, a symbol for what you know the entire country could be if they took the precautions that the NBA did. I mean, I'll, you know, the idea that you know wearing a mask is some kind of threat to civil liberties, you know, is a logic that will always elude me. But there's no doubt that you know wearing a mask, getting tested every day. Uh, prevents outbreaks and prevent and allows for you know, normal kind of interactions and and that's what the NBA did and that's that's quite frankly exactly why they've been able to be so successful health wise.
0: Chris, I want to dive into these series a little bit and uh, the Celtics, a team that you know very well, uh, look pretty good. <laughs> and, you know uh, they look like they're they're putting it back together and uh, Gordon Hayward had uh, a big effect there. People here are still interested in him. Other than the ugly mustache, what do you think of
3: his uh, effect on the team? <laughs> he was really effective. Um, he's arguably the team's best passer, and when he's in the game, you know the offense just flows a lot more effortlessly. And you could see Gordon labor for a lot of those minutes. Um, he's obviously not as quick as he was before the ankle injury, uh, the recent ankle injury. Uh, so, you know, you got maybe 75, 80% of him, but having him there, uh, just gave their offense an extra boost. And you saw what Brad Stevens wants to do when Hayward's out there. They, they basically went to a six and a half man rotation. It was six guys, uh, playing at least 24 minutes. You know, a couple other guys played nine a piece. Uh, you know, they want to really tighten up those rotations. They can do it when Gordon's in there because Gordon can play multiple positions. So him being back is a boost getting the extra days off. You know, the rare in-series break that Boston's getting is going to be a boost for Hayward because he'll have extra time to rest and rehab that ankle. And you have to believe it'll be more effective going into game four. And I still think this is one series. Um, you know, Boston, I think a lot of people were, you know, you know, trying to make the comparison to the dysfunction of last year's team to this year's one when, you know, that blow-up happened in the Celtics locker room after game two. But I can tell you, the Celtics are not anywhere close to last year's team. I mean, that team last year genuinely didn't like each other like they there was no there was no preconceived notions there they did not like each other this team likes each other they just had a stressful moment that manifests itself in an explosion so um i think that uh I, I think that that this team certainly has the ability to win game four and get right back in the series
0: well i want to follow that up real quick and just say that the heat have played so well prior to obviously going up two zip but Even with the Celtics playing the way they did, they still had to fend off this heat team. It's impressive, I thought, the fight that was shown by Miami.
3: Yeah, I mean, Brad Stevens said it, like a 17-point lead against Miami is like an 8-point lead against anybody else. And that's because two of their key players in Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero can erase leads very quickly. They're both quick-trigger shooters who have a confidence that belie their age. And you saw at the end of of game three, I mean, the Heat almost got back into it thanks to Hero just pulling up, you know, in transition, making three-pointer after three-pointer. So Boston's going to have to stay sharp, especially defensively, especially beyond the three-point line Um, in this game. They'll play 40-plus minutes of of real defense to beat Miami. Because, again, this is not a Miami team that's going to get down either. I mean, they're not, you know, second-guessing things. I mean, they'll make some adjustments, clearly – You're going to probably see Jimmy Butler be more aggressive going into game four. He'll probably take more than the 12 or 13 shots he took in the first couple of games of this series. So I think that that that's a minor tweak. But, you know, this Miami team, they've believed all postseason long they can win this thing. And, you know, one tough loss is not going to dissuade them.
2: Chris Mannix joins us here on the big show, uh, the NBA Daily Assist. And, you know, you talked about Boston liking each other in that locker room. I think it's the same way, don't you, for the Heat Jimmy Butler looks to be as happy as he's ever been in his NBA career, and also taking on leadership roles. And he's got a really interesting group of players around him. I mean, superstars, no, but Jimmy is is at a high high level. But this is a maybe another definition of team that is getting the job done at least to this point. But uh, I'm really excited to see how this one finishes out. I, I like Miami a lot.
3: Well, Jimmy Butler. Is built to play on teams that have a certain culture that effectively requires you to play hard at all times, and you would think that would be widespread throughout the NBA. But we all know it's not. You know, and, and Miami's culture, in a lot of ways, is similar to the culture that Jimmy stepped into in Chicago when you know Jimmy was drafted by the Bulls. They had some workers there. Derrick Rose was. Prime Derrick Rose, MVP Derrick Rose. Joe Kim Noah played hard every possession. Taj Gibson played hard every possession. In that type of environment, Jimmy Butler thrives where you have a coach that holds you to a high standard as well as Tom Thibodeau did in those Bulls days. You go to Minnesota, the roster's not the same. Young guys that don't have that same fire that they did in Chicago. Philadelphia, some issues there. A couple guys worked with Jimmy, a couple guys didn't. The coaching staff... Didn't really blend with them either. In in Miami, you've got all that. You've got guys from top to bottom that play hard every possession. You've got a coach that requires you to go through like an Olympic level conditioning test just to get into the lineup at the start of training camp. I mean, all these things fit the player that that Jimmy Butler is and wants to be. So I, I think you know in this environment, Jimmy Butler can be not just an all star, but he can be the number one player on a championship team. That's how good and I'll, I'll snug a fit that environment is for Jimmy Butler.
0: So if Butler is the leader of the Heat, who on the Celtics is the primary? Who, who's the alpha dog there?
3: I, mean, I wish I had an answer about who one guy would be. I mean, I guess you'd have to say Kemba Walker because clearly he has the trust of the coaching staff late in games. Um, even when he's not playing well, he has the ball in his hands and is allowed to create plays, but Really, it's been a committee approach to this team all season long. I mean, it hasn't been like last year or the year before when, when Kyrie was healthy, he'd be the one making plays. Uh, it's been the hot hand. It's been you know the guy that could get the ball in the right spot. That's why the first two games of the series were so maddening to watch because there was so much isolation in these games. It was all right. It's, it's uh, Jason Tatum's turn, or it's Kemba's turn, or it's Jalen Brown's turn. That's not how this team had success all throughout the year. It had success with ball movement and finding the guy that has the hot hand uh, in the right spots. And more often than not, that's Tatum, because he's probably the best scorer of that group. Sometimes it's Kemba, sometimes it's Jalen. Even sometimes it's Marcus Smart when he's got his shooting stroke going. So I think that you know, this Boston team doesn't need one guy to be that alpha. They need all three of those guys, four of those guys, to trust each other, keep moving the ball around, and get open shots. And when they do that, they've got more than enough firepower to beat any team in the league. Chris, I want to flip to the West,
2: uh, and I, I like your breakdown of, of, of what's happening in the East in the Heat. Let's talk about Denver before we hit on the Lakers because, you know, I'm just curious your thought. You know, they, they <laughs> it's an amazing thing to watch, really. Against the Jazz, we, we, we saw it ourselves on how they came back from 3-1, and then they did the same thing to, uh, obviously, Kawhi. Uh, and Paul George down 3-1. Now the Lakers, they're down 2-0. I don't sense panic, but that's still a very talented team, and two players especially in Jamal Murray and uh, Nikola Jokic who have taken their game. Would you not agree to, I mean, their all-star status for sure, but, I mean, even a higher level at this point?
3: Well, yeah, I mean, they're not out of this series by any stretch. Um, you know, they faced adversity, as you said, already twice, uh, certainly, the Lakers bring a different level of adversity. The conference finals brings a different amount of pressure, but see, it's not like they're having to walk into Staples Center and play in a hostile environment at this point. They'll, you know, regroup, you know, have a, a 24-hour break and then come back. They've done it time and time again. And I don't look at the Lakers as being this, you know, opponent that's uh, significantly more difficult to beat. Than say the Jazz or even the Clippers are. I mean, the, the blueprint for beating the Lakers is there. I mean, you have to hold them to a, a low shot, a percentage of three-point range. Uh, that was done in Game One against Portland when they shot like 16% from three. Game One against Houston, they shot 26 or 27% from three. Uh, game three or Game Two just yet last night, uh, they allowed the Lakers to shoot. I think it was 36% from three. You've got to get that number down if you're the Denver Nuggets. But the wild card with the Nuggets, to me, isn't Jokic, it isn't Jamal Murray. Those guys, I think, are going to perform one way or the other. A guy like Gary Harris has to be better. I mean, Gary Harris is part of the solution to lowering those three-point numbers by the Lakers, because he's probably the Nuggets' best defensive player. You can't look on the floor in the fourth quarter and see P.J. Dozier out there. I mean, Dozier was fine, but Gary Harris needs to get those minutes. He's got to earn those minutes, like he did in the Utah series. And, you know, if you can play him, and he can play at the highest level he can play at, uh, you're going to have a lot of success, you know, with that team. So I think if the Nuggets just, you know, make a few minor tweaks and maintain their confidence, they're fully capable of getting back in the series.
0: All right, Chris, let's talk about that shot because that was a the, the degree of difficulty on on AD's shot was just. It was very tough, and uh, to be down, it's one thing when the, tie, when, the, when the score is tied and you take the last shot and you win, fine. But if he doesn't make that shot, they lose. And uh, what do you think of the whole scenario?
3: I mean, two things. One, rem- we haven't talked about this, but Rajon Rondo's presence in this postseason has been enormous. I mean, Rondo inbounded the ball, and as he said after the game, kind of going through his progressions, AD was like the third option on that play, mm. but for Rondo to have the wherewithal to you know look past Nikola yokich who's jumping up and down in front of him find ab in the corner i mean that pass was great the second straight game he had nine assists and he has been an impact player since he's been back uh, in this lineup but for davis i mean they needed him in that second half not just that shot but lebron james was two for nine you know in that second half and didn't look like he had any rhythm and frankly didn't look like he was looking for the ball on that last possession i mean he's kind of just standing there and Ad sort of ran around him, used him as a quasi screen, and the Nuggets' defense just broke down. Uh, but you know, him having his confidence going like that—it's—it's it's not just a luxury; it's a necessity for that Laker team. I mean, when he's when he's able to shoot threes, I don't know if there's a more unguardable player in this league—a six-foot-eleven, seven-foot, you know, big man who can come off the dribble and shoot threes like that. I mean, that was that was probably the biggest moment of his playoff career. I mean, we I mean, had some decent ones in New Orleans, some good ones in this postseason, but. You know, that shot in that moment with that much at stake, uh, it takes a special player to do something like that. And Davis, you know, showed once again he's one of them.
2: Chris Mannix joins us here on the big show. Uh, Chris, uh, before we cut you loose, I want to get your thoughts about what's ahead. Um, I think you'll probably agree there can't be a bubble too, right? And and the league has got to make some big decisions. I know they're trying not to put a, a start date uh, because they don't want to disappoint fans and have to say, no, let's wait another week or two. So they want to be sure when they want to get this next season ahead. And they want to put fans in the stands, 40% of revenue. I mean, reportedly with ticket sales and revenue to, to help generate uh, what the what the NBA needs. Uh, and that's that's revenue. What, what, what have you heard about 2021? And how can this – how can we get fans back in inside? Or at least the process – of five to six thousand per arena per game
3: well it is the definition of a fluid situation because the league will react to what the country is allowed to do what individual states are allowing uh people to do and you know there's there's an expectation that at least through the end of this calendar year there will not be any games played in nba buildings uh, that's number one and if if that's the case Um, You know, the league will not look to one big bubble, but they'll look to regional bubbles. You could see, you know, one bubble per division in the NBA where, you know, they bring people together for one month uh, inside a bubble-like environment and then kind of cut them loose for a week and a half, two weeks, and go into another month plus of a bubble. That's if the situation stays the same. The variable that, you know, fans should watch out for is if the NBA sees a path to starting the season with fans in the arena at some point in the first two or three months of 2021, they'll hold off the start of the season uh, until then. They'll start the season in mid-February if it means they can have fans back in their buildings and have some sort of semblance of a normal uh, schedule that ends some point in early to mid-July. So it's there's no answer to the question of when the game's going to start again. Those are just kind of some, some sort of flashpoints, some some moments to watch out for. If there's if there's a vaccine that comes around November, December, and it looks like we have a chunk of the population vaccinated early next year, I think the NBA will hold off on starting their season if they can do it safely in home arenas and with fans in the building.
2: Gordon, just a quick follow-up, if I could, with Chris, yeah. do, you, do you believe that the league has interest? in trying to maybe make a January start just commonplace from here on out? Do they like the feel of being maybe the league to be looked at starting a new year
3: each and every year? No, they have no interest whatsoever in that. And I I say that largely because they don't want to play summer basketball. You know, this experience, I think, has – Uh, solidified that opinion Um, they want to have their season end in mid to late June at the latest I think there's some you know there's certainly some talk and some momentum to push the start of the season into December but even then I just don't see it happening I mean the only I mean avoiding football as long as possible makes some sense for the league so starting in December could work but they're not going to stretch the schedule into July. They're just not going to do it. They want to avoid things like the Olympics. Uh, They they don't see a lot of upside in summer basketball based on the ratings that we've seen uh, in these summer's games. So I think one way or the other, uh, next season will end before the Olympics start, at least when they're supposed to start in mid to late July, and then we'll be back on a regular schedule for the 2021-2022 season. So, Chris, last
0: thing from me, and it's this. I've expressed my opinion on this. Bowler has talked about it. But I'm curious for to give you an opportunity to say, what is it that fans can do? What is it that people have to do to contribute in a way that will – make it most likely beyond the medical uh, side of it, beyond the, uh, the, the you know, the advancements in, in the vaccine or the medication, yeah. what can people do? What do you think needs to happen?
3: I, I honestly, you know, I think it's pretty simple. I think it's as simple as wearing a mask whenever humanly possible and avoiding gatherings, especially indoor gatherings, whenever humanly possible. Look, I'm suffering from it as much as anyone. I live... You know, on the water in Boston, by the boardwalk that I've spent, you know, many a summer going out drinking at every every night. You know, I've enjoyed my off seasons in the past. You know, living a lifestyle that I've I sought to live. But you know, whether it's this this spring or this summer or now this fall, you, you don't get to do it. You've got to sacrifice because one thing you've got to remember is that everything, every decision that's made by local government and and ultimately national government is based on numbers. If it's not about whether or not you know you think you can make a difference yourself, or it's no big deal if one of your friends gets it, or another friend gets it, or if you think that the virus isn't going to negatively affect your your overall life. It's the numbers. You know, if if there's if there's a growing number of infections, things aren't going to open, and sports aren't going to open. The NBA is not going to get to open their arenas unless these numbers dwindle down to a, a manageable or almost non-existent number. The only way to do that is to protect yourself. So, I mean, I think that, you know, it sounds like I'm just repeating stuff that people oftentimes hear on TV. And I know there are a lot of people that don't want to hear it, but as long as these numbers stay high, nothing's going to open in the sports world. So do your part to bring the numbers down and you'll get back to, to life the way you want it. All
2: right. Hey, Chris, uh, great insight. Great thought. Uh, We appreciate your time. We'll talk to you next week. Chris Mannix, Sports Illustrated, the NBA Daily Assist. Uh, Gordon, some interesting comments. And, you know, it sounds pretty simple, right? But, uh, sadly, it's a political statement as well for some. And uh, if you do love sports, I I think you can't help but try to really just sit back and and soak that comment in because no one wants to play in front of empty uh, seats as players As a broadcaster, I need you as a fan to be there with me in the building to bring the energy as well. And, you know, what we've seen in the bubble is just a Band-Aid, right? But for it to really happen, some of those comments by Chris are spot on. We've got to take those responsibilities. And, again, there are many who disagree with me and you and others. And, you know, okay, I get that. And, you know, and. You lose followers. Okay, that's the way it is. But, gosh, I want this game to get back to what we know it as and stadiums, the NFL yesterday, as I looked around, as you did. Man, it just doesn't make sense to me. And piped-in noise does not do it for me. No. And no. I can handle this this time right now, and I get it until we get a handle on it. But, you know what, to start another season this same way, Franchises need you as a fan base to be in the building, and to do so, we've got to be smart. And, yep. I, you know, and I'll, that's the only political statement I can make. I don't even think it's political. I'm just saying you can't go lean left or lean right in this situation. Just do what's best, you yeah. know, and mm-hmm. we'll get back to a, a, a quicker – we'll get back to the normal, the, the normal way of life much quicker. I, I just believe that. If I'm yeah. wrong, so be it. But I don't think you are. I don't think you are wrong, Bowler, because it's
0: it, to me it's a medical situation. It's not a political one. And uh, the only way that uh, people can go back to an arena in, in decent-sized numbers to watch a game is to get these numbers down, just like Chris said. Yeah. That's what has to happen, along with the advancements on the medical side as far right. as the vaccine
2: goes. That would certainly help if they can get that taken care of. Oh, but that would be like the magic – well, magic yeah. pill, yeah. right? I uh-huh. mean, you hope, and you hope it's done or it doesn't impact people in a negative way, too. I mean, it takes time right. to develop vaccines, but, oh, man. I. But I until just, that time, I miss until it. that time, we got to get those
0: numbers down. That's just the way it is because there's no way the NBA is going to let people in the arena
2: with the numbers where they are now. No, it'd be like a Petri dish, right? Yeah, yeah, not going to happen. No, and, you know. Again, reportedly, 40% of revenue by NBA franchises come from you, the fan, who make their way into the arena <clears throat> and buy tickets and have some fun and we're having a good time and, you know, walking up and chatting with folks. I miss that. I really do. I, I, Jazz Nation is strong, and I, I, I miss seeing fans. Uh, I miss smelling uh, hot dogs out in the, you know, out in the corridor, uh, walking up to our spot, Uh, And just having that interaction. And also, you know, you see people dressed in jazz, uh, you know, garb, hats, jerseys, all the above. And uh, I sure hope it comes back sooner than later. Uh, Gordo will come back. We're going to take a quick break. By, uh, by the way, another reminder, speaking of uh, jazz gear, we got plenty of it here. The team store at Vivid Arena, along with a new location inside Smith's Marketplace at 3215 South Valley Street in Salt Lake City. They're open from 10 to 8. We're open 11 to 6 here Monday through Saturday. But the sidewalk sale is underway, will be through Saturday, 80% off tees, hats, hoodies, jerseys, and so much more. And also uh, several Dawn Issue 1 shoes are here for you to pick up. $60 you can walk out of here with a brand-new Dawn Issue 1. Also, the Mountain uh, Edition is sitting right in front of me. That's a good-looking shoe. Uh, Gordon, I know you have the, the complete uh, Don, uh, Don collection at your house. I'm sure of that, my friend. Uh, uh Hey, yeah. it's 4:30 on a Monday. The big show is going to roll on. How about we come back and talk a little bit of us open, uh, and we'll talk more NBA as well, but uh, thanks to uh, Chris Mannix for some great insight on uh, where the direction of the NBA is going. But yeah, Wingfoot. it was one tough place to play this past weekend. We'll talk more about it. Uh, 1280, the zone, the big show.
1: Utah's most listened to sports radio afternoon show. This is The Big Show. With Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Sponsored by Mountain America Credit Union. Guiding members forward for over 80 years. On 97.5-1280, The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. I
2: fell into a burning ring of fire. I went down, 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 and the flames went higher. And it burns, 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 the ring of fire, the ring of fire. Johnny Cash, the ring of fire, and it burned, Gordon. Syringa Networks is home to complete business, telecom, and IT solutions, backed by an industry-leading s17a that guarantees the uptime your business needs it's effective communication for 21st century utah get started now at Networks.net. burns 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 you know, A ring fire bowler that, that
0: song that song of any of his songs stands out to me from the movie you referenced earlier with joaquin phoenix playing johnny yeah. Boy he did a good job singing those songs, didn't he? Was that really his voice? I, I assume I've been it was. told it was.
2: It was I was yeah. it told it was. Right Austin, you the he, movie. Get-
4: both he and Reese Witherspoon, that was their actual singing voices. And Joaquin uh hadn't had, nev- never had a, a a training, a lesson, nothing. He just listened to Johnny and tried to imitate it.
2: Well, that's Man. Great. How do you do that? that? That that was that was stellar. That's why All you right. and I are here. And Joaquin <laughs> is there.
0: Yeah. It, it, wouldn't it be kind of fun to be a movie star and then you can be kind of as weird as you want? And every and it's kind of endearing. It's not weird. It's just kind of who you are. That's Joaquin. Yeah.
2: It's, it's creative brilliance. Gordon, can you sing? No. I, I I told you that story, what happened to my voice, Bowler. Okay, Austin, let's sit back and listen. Okay, Gordo, <laughs> go ahead.
0: Got a little background music going here, so I can maybe violin music or
2: something. So I, I'm uh, guessing at one point you were probably had the ability to be a trained vocalist, but something dramatic happened. I was
0: a prodigy. A you know? prodigy. Yeah, I, I I was I was I had a great singing voice. Everyone in my family has a great singing voice. And I was Austin, well on Are my you rolling? Way. You're, you're rolling. Yeah, I'm, this, I'm right? ready. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But th- this is what happened in okay. uh, the eighth or ninth grade. Yeah, my parents. I love wanted... it when you call me Big <laughs> Papa. <laughs> my, you my sound good wanted... there, man. What happened? Yeah. Okay, so yeah, okay. My, my parents wanted me to be in the school chorus, but by then I was too cool. I was too cool to be in the school course you're eight or nine and you're cool no 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 i was in eighth or ninth grade eighth or ninth grade okay that's the cool that's the cool age yeah cool and so i decided i was too cool and i wasn't going to sing anymore (laughs) okay well why not why because you're too cool i lost i lost my gift i lost my gift i don't know where it went but it went (laughs) and so from that point on other than my, my brief stint uh, in the game with, uh, you know, my uh, rapping career, I I have never really sung since then. And my Two g- kids on the block had a bunch of hits. Chinese food makes me sick. And I think it's fly when girls stop by for the summer, for the summer. <laughs> so, so my gift was taken from me. Yesterday, the, Gordon, the rap gift seems so far away.
2: <laughs> Gordo, I, I still think the rap, the rap still gets it done, because it's really just talk sing. Yeah, I can talk sing.
0: And I was in a, uh, I was in a play once, uh, and uh, I had. A, it, did, you was a lead,
4: com- did you have the lead? Of course. Yes, he wrote it. He was the costumer, <laughs> the director. He had the lead. Hollywood called, agents called. He said, "Nah, I'm nah. gonna stay a family man."
2: Yeah, no, I'm a writer,
4: man. I'm not an
2: actor. <laughs> hey, man! Hey, man! I have, see, Bowler's got go. <laughs> Bowler to go. It's got to go. <laughs> it's time to go. <laughs> so, <laughs> so
0: anyway, I had a singing part, and I and I actually tried to do the singing part, and they said, "Why don't you? Uh, why don't you just
2: sort of talk through that?" <laughs> okay. So, so, Austin, he didn't explain, it, or did I miss this in this dramatic. Uh, recall of, of yeah, hurt. It was, and pain. Called,
4: it was called Octopus's Garden. He played the judge. He had an amazing costume. I've heard this all. Yeah.
2: So, yeah. but but did I miss on how where the voice? How you it, lost the it? gift? The, the gift?
4: gift was the gift was taken away. A sea witch came up and my, said, "Hey, I'll give you three days as a human, but you got to give me your voice." Right? Is that how that went? So you I, sold uh, your
2: voice for like eternal
0: no, life? No, I mean, no. My my gift was taken away from
2: me because I was too cool to uh-huh. pursue it. So you yeah, learned, yeah. the lesson was, you're not as cool as you thought, and I'm going to take your voice. The lesson
0: is, if you have a gift, use it. If you don't use it, you lose it. And that's
2: what happened. You know what, this is a sad. heavy, heavy, yes, and a sad segment <laughs> on the big show. Yeah, How
0: about you, Bowler? Are you singer? Oh, no,
2: yes. No. Was <laughs> Can that you your belt impression it out? Me? You've got you've got <laughs> that was those great pipes. was <laughs> That was Austin. Austin, bellow that out again. Yeah, yeah,
4: yeah.
2: (laughs) No, you know what? Do you you remember when Austin sang the national anthem? Yes. And I thought I I applauded him. I don't know if he saw me, but I actually saluted him when he walked off in grandeur. (laughs) I tell you what, I think singing that. The National Anthem would be one of the most terrifying moments of anyone's (laughs) life. Yeah, it's
4: not comfortable. It's it's pretty uh,
2: I would demand, if I ever had to talk, sing it, uh, is that the words would be up on the jumbotron so I could glance up, and in case I froze, I'd still have the ability to say, you know, to sing it or talk, sing it through. Hmm. There's too many chances of messing that up and missing an entire verse, right? (laughs) Gosh, yeah, that it's would not panic an easy me. Song. But uh, but really, Austin, you did a nice job, my friend. Hey, thanks. They sure they've never did. asked
4: me back. but uh,
2: what I was just going to say. Have they asked you back? One and the done. Is yeah. one, clearly no. <laughs> clearly, they no. can't afford me. Yeah, <laughs> Austin only works now for big paychecks. <laughs> that's for sure. All right, well, well come back. I would think,
0: I would think Bowler that you could sing. I mean, you got those good pipes, and I
2: thought maybe you know. But no, hmm. the tone has to be right. Like I could mimic. Johnny Cash, you know, because it burned, burned, burned. The ring of fire. The ring of fire. Yeah, good. You know? See? That I mean, that's a Mr. Ed. <laughs> hey, Wil- Wilbur. The ring of fire. The ring of fire. <laughs>
4: oh, my it's God. It's like Mr. Ed, Johnny Cash, and Jimmy Stewart. Yeah, all, in one all there, together. Huh?
2: Yeah, she, 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 really, Gordon, you're sure... And Austin, it's a great pleasure. Uh, you know, Harvey, my my good friend Harvey's over there. Yeah. Oh, that's really good. Six-foot so, rabbit? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's right there. I can see him. Yeah. Wow, and
0: I they, didn't he, know you had a Wait, Jimmy hold st- on. St- now <laughs> I think there's some James, Jimmy Cagney in there somewhere. Yeah. <laughs>
2: I uh, just trying to they're all they're all really one person. Oh, that's funny. Jimmy, yeah, Johnny. See, see. Yeah, yeah. Hey Mary, Mary, you want the moon, Mary? I'll give you the moon. Yeah. <laughs> just lasso it. Let's lasso it. That's Bring great. it down. Hey, uh, Austin, I know you got it. You said get the get the hell to, to, to break. <laughs> I know that. Uh, coming up on <laughs> quarter of five. It's fun, man. Big show returns, uh, Boulder and Monson. Can't I, I, hey, you know what? I guess that's my summer job or my fall job. I'll come in and uh, fill in when needed, mm.
4: mm-hmm.
2: and, I'll pl- I'll, and Austin. Just for pennies, I'm gonna put a cup out here. Now yeah, I was gonna okay? say you're can a little a old cup? for an
4: internship, but we'll give it yeah. to you. Yeah.
2: yeah, I'm gonna put a cup out here for just you know throw a nickel or dime <laughs> in here. Just I can rattle that cup outside. Uh, but no, we're outside uh, Vivint Arena. Don't forget, come on by. Uh, Don issue shoes are here. I've got uh, two different styles. One is the mountain style, Gordon. A nice look. The other is just what is this? The Johnny the Don one, nice. but. The Hulk, the Hulk, Marvel. Wow. This good look, man. I that's that's hard not to take home with you, along with the Mountain Edition. So come on by, sixty dollars for a pair of Don issue uh, ones. Uh, new location, don't forget Smiths Marketplace at 3215 South Valley Street in Salt Lake City. We'll come back, and I promise we'll talk some Wingfoot U.S. Open uh, talk when we come back on 1280 The Zone. The big show rolls on. To see if I still feel, I focus on the pain, the only thing that's real. The needle tears the whole, the old familiar. Hey, welcome back. Big show rolls on. Coming up on the 5 o'clock hour. Guess what time? I've been looking forward to this all day, all night. Uh, The Not Sports Report is brought to you by LHM Used Car Supermarket. Over 1,000 used vehicles are in inventory. Shop right now. Online at LHMUsedCars.com. Gordon, the only reason I took this gig today is for this moment. (laughs) Oh man, I don't want to. I don't
0: want to disappoint you. Uh, I'll do my best to uh, to uh, live up to that billing. So what do you got? What do you got? Where are we going? Uh, all right. Um, <clears throat> have you ever been in a car and had to go to the bathroom so bad that uh, and you <laughs> oh, couldn't man. you couldn't who, find
2: a way out? Who hasn't? As you get older. <sighs> It happens almost on an hour or two-hour basis, <laughs> right? I mean, you're taking a long trip, man. you got to plan those tri- those pit stops. So
0: let me tell you the sad story of a woman in Oklahoma. Okay. She, uh, she had to go to the bathroom, but she was pulled over by a police officer. And the police officer approached the car and... Uh, he said, "Hold on a minute." and He went back to <laughs> the cruiser. On. He said, "Hold on a minute." Yeah, hold oh. on a minute. He, he went back and because she didn't have her license, so he went back to the car to check. And uh, and meanwhile, she still had to go to the bathroom. So he comes back to the car, and she said, "Hey, I really, I really have to have to poop." <laughs> That's what she said. And there's and a drop. Uh, and the, <laughs> well, This is this
2: is a story of number two.
0: Yes. Okay. Yes. So, so she she It was nice working said, with you, Austin. It was oh, nice yeah. working with you, pal. Then, then she told him that uh, it was her birthday. Okay. And uh, trying to get, get being able to edge away, thought maybe the police officer would say, okay, get on your way. And she said, I really have to go. And he told her that, uh, no, she couldn't go, that he was, she had an outstanding warrant. So she had other
2: uh, warrant out for her arrest. Can so I she asked so, what it was or is that the punchline? for I mean,
4: public defecation actually. Is it? <laughs> so she has so anyway, problem
2: daily, Austin, yeah.
0: So the officer said, uh, well, uh, she uh, complained again, I've got to poop. And so he said There's another job. Uh, well, get get in my car. And she oh, said I'm going to poop in your I'm going to poop in your car. Okay. And he, and he said just get in my car and but uh he, then she said I'm he said I'm taking you to jail and she said no you're not she stomped on her accelerator and went on a high speed chase wow and it well, scared the well this was the, not, never mind
4: yeah so this so was how, not how a did gr-
2: this was it a messy ending
4: <laughs> uh <laughs> or were they able to wipe it from their memory i don't know
0: <laughs> oh, put well your hand, put your hand on the dump button, Austin. Let me no, just say that no, it was like no. it was like an episode out of Schitt's Creek. Ah, yeah, yeah.
4: speaking of dump button, I used it. Yeah, did, that's the name of a show. I don't care. So,
2: so, so how did the uh, did he chase her down? Yes, the, the officers
0: chased after her, and when they apprehended her, uh, they found. Let me see. Let me get the exact detail here.
4: No, they, I think we're okay.
0: they found a a meth pipe in her car so there's a video of this and it's uh, she looks like (laughs) she looks like she had to poop but I I couldn't think I mean how miserable would that be if she's telling the truth how
2: would you like to be pulled over and have to go to the bathroom you know what I thought you were going to tell us that instead of a meth pipe they found in the back seat a (laughs) hundred rolls of toilet paper that's what she was wanted for, you know, <laughs> stockpiling toilet paper. No, no none wow. of that. I, I just, I, I, can't imagine.
0: I mean, if you really have to go, and a police officer is asking you a bunch of questions, then, then what do you do?
2: I mean, what do you do? Hope his back seat is a built-in porta potty. <laughs> what do you do? You do do, I guess. I don't uh, know. Yeah. And we're out of time. Austin that was a pleasure. You know, hey, before I got to roll out of here, but it's been one of the most incredible 3 hours of my week and today's Monday. Oh, well. <laughs> hey, real quick, Gordon, I, I, that was that was enlightening. So to speak. <laughs> Uh, And I I really, you know, I just wanted to know: Did he he did chase her and arrested her? He did his duty. yeah. Yeah. he 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 did his duty, and so so did she. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Wow, man, this show's rough. They
4: went on the runs of their life.
2: (laughs) Uh, Hey, did you watch into U.S. Open this week before
4: we
0: break? Okay. I did yeah. and Bryce chambeau is uh, one powerful
2: golfer but yeah, it was his... more than just it was more than just power bowler he, he used some finesse to... How about power finesse and touch right that's kind yeah. of the way it turned out to be and I just had to throw this number out because I to, to, to tell f- to listeners how difficult this course is a uh, wing foot up in uh, the New York area. Uh, it was won by DeChambeau, minus six. His, his four-day total, 69, 68, 70, and a 67. Now, Gordon, put this into perspective. If you play golf, I love the game, but I hate it, right? I mean, that's kind mm-hmm. of the way it, it, it works for me. 61 players were played, were on the course uh, throughout the Sunday, and they came out with an average four-round total. You want to take a guess? I'll say 73. Well, how about the overall plus minus? Cuz the by the way, Deschambeau was the only player that was under par. So, I'll say 3 over, 4 over. No, this is stunning. The average was plus 11.7, nearly uh, plus 12 on that yeah. course. Mm-hmm. That how about sense. that? Mm. I mean, that that tells you how difficult Wingfoot plays, and it's really kind of the tradition up there. Uh, I think it was Austin 1974, they labeled it the, the massacre at Wingfoot, and I yeah. believe the winning score was a plus seven. I'm not sure who that, that champion was that day, but my goodness. Uh, I don't know if that's fun for anybody or not, right? I mean, well, there's I know people. One of us, there's only know... one
0: of us here, Bowler, who has actually played a hole on that course, and it was you, so you have first hand knowledge. And when you when you played it, was it uh, was it tricked up the
2: way it is for the Open? I don't think I don't know if it was totally tricked up for the U.S. Open. But I tell you, if you're a member and you play out there, you, you've got to be one frustrated golfer because mm. it, it was incredibly. It to me, the entire landscape of the place was daunting. I don't know, but you're but there's no way the U.S. Open they always grow, right? The rough a little mm. rougher. And this guy, mm-hmm. most of these guys were hitting out of uh, knee high uh, yeah. rough. I don't know if that's a lot of fun to play golf that way or not. That's just Austin. You want to explain why you love that so much?
4: Uh, yeah, because I, you know, I really, 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 really am not good at golf, <laughs> and I really detest elitism. And uh, it seems like uh, that would be a perfect recipe for me to love it when. Go, privileged golfers of the elite struggle like us underprivileged uh, everyday men. Your I move, love see, Gordon.
2: Uh, I'd love to see you there. And, uh, of course, you're supposed to be quiet on the golf course, but maybe you could sneak uh, in a line or two, wouldn't
4: you? See, that, bother, that bothers me about golf, too. Why, what, why are we so serious here? This is a game. This is supposed to be fun, not church. I would yeah, but it's,
2: it's a gentleman's game. It's a, yeah, a, uh, but I would introduce this one tournament a year. You have to play through anything on the on the course.
0: Isn't yeah. that the waste management open down there in Phoenix? Did everyone getting rowdy down there?
4: No, but I think Buller means like uh, pudding pits instead of sand traps <laughs> and uh, uh, live live macaws just swooping over the tee boxes. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Another, you know, on twelve, you would have a rattlesnake pit that you have love to. It. Yeah, have to get. I have a. I had a golfer who told me that he played the Asian Tour
0: once. He said they were in Thailand somewhere. And he had monkeys overhead throwing sticks
4: at him. Perfect. See, I'd yeah. watch that. I'd be yeah, all I over there. I
2: would, too. How, <laughs> you know, about,
4: like... how about every hole you have to use a different club and only that club for only that hole? How about That's that? That's a
2: great idea. And then you have oh, a heckling wow. hole, right? Where yes. You toast, on the tee box, you have hundreds, thousands of people yelling
4: at Give you. Give the gallery BB guns and let them <laughs> shoot at their their uh, least favorite golfers. I love it. <laughs> oh, that, oh, man.
0: I'm getting, getting crazy now. A BB now. gun?
4: No, I didn't say an AR. Said a BB gun. Wait, gun. A BB
0: gu- have you ever been shot by a BB gun? It doesn't feel good. I got yeah. shot point blank. My buddy, uh-huh. when I was a kid, I was like sixth grade or
2: something. Shot me right in the chest.
4: Yeah, it's hardly the red badge of courage. It's a BB gun.
2: <laughs> I will tell you this. It leaves a mark. Sure it does. It sure it does. does. Hey, Quill, I, I got a roll for sitting in, man. I know in the five o'clock hour, you're going to uh, have an interview with Kalani Sitake as BYU tries to sort things out as they try to continue their season. This week's game against uh, Army uh, postponed because of uh, concerns for COVID. And uh, interesting to talk. Kalani always handles the media uh, with uh, honesty and grace, man. I, I like listening to Kalani, and I'll do so on my way um, out of the valley. Hey, Austin, thanks for driving the ship, my friend, and uh, thanks to Jake for letting me sit here. But the show does roll on, the 5 o'clock hour coming up. Monson's going to take you home right here on The Big Show, 1280 The Zone.